Welcome to the Damascus Road Podcast. On the road to Damascus, Paul had a radical encounter with Jesus and his life was changed forever. That is what we hope and pray for here. Now, on to this week's episode. So, at the start of the series, uh, my husband Tyler regaled you all with the very cute story of finding out that we were pregnant with our son, Joe. And that first week after finding out I was pregnant was so lovely and exciting. I was getting my little pregnancy tracking app started so I could tell people what size fruit my baby was and bravely denying myself a second cup of coffee each morning. But about a week in, my stomach started feeling weird. But at first I thought, I'm just hungry. It's not a big deal. So what am I bring for lunch today? That day, I'd brought delightful leftovers from the dinner I'd made the night before, pork chops and an apple stuffing. And normally, I would be delighted at such a delicious lunch. But that day, it sounded like possibly the worst thing I had ever wanted to consume in my whole life. I didn't even want to look in my lunchbox, lest the sight and smell of those leftovers befoul my senses permanently. So, kind of a problem, but not an insurmountable one. I very sheepishly called my husband Tyler to come bring me Raisin Cane's chicken tenders, which always sound delicious, and I moved on with my day, thinking all was well now. Sweet, sweet summer child that I was. And just as a fair warning, in the next few minutes, I'm going to talk about throwing up more than once. And I know this is not everyone's favorite thing, but this was my lived reality for 41 weeks. So I'm gonna ask all of you to sit with me in it for about five minutes. A week and a half after that positive pregnancy test, we drove to visit my family in Yuma and surprised them with the news that I was pregnant. And so before we started our trip, we stopped at Starbucks for breakfast and I got my usual bacon and cheddar sandwich and an iced coffee. And then I sprinted to the bathroom and threw it all back up immediately. Now I've thrown up before, but not like right after I've eaten like that. Queasy and discombobulated, I got into the car to head to Yuma, certain that the worst had now passed. Surely that was the end of that, just a weird little bit of food poisoning. I'd already returned my whole breakfast. What else could possibly happen? What happened was that I threw up or dry heaved the entire three and a half hour drive to Yuma that day. And by the time we arrived at my mom's house, it was a good thing we were telling her I was pregnant right then or otherwise she would have thought I needed to go to the ER. I ended up laying in bed with saltines for a good hour before I could even consider doing anything else. My nausea was so sudden and intense that weekend, I thought, surely this couldn't be just normal for pregnancy. I must have a stomach bug. It won't be this bad again. (laughs) Friends, I know you don't want to keep hearing about my vomit, but I puked daily, more than once, well into my second trimester, and still regularly after that until the morning I had Joe. And you may notice that I am not saying morning sickness because I grew very, very tired of people with great love and sympathy saying, you're nauseous at 3 p.m.? I thought it was just in the morning. No, morning sickness is a a misnomer because it's all the time sickness. In the car, in bed, in the middle of Zoom meetings that I have to leave, and in church, at retreats, in parking lots, and once in a very unfortunately crowded Texas Roadhouse bathroom with a kid in the next stall yelling, why is she throwing up? I had wanted to be a parent so badly, and yet being constantly nauseous, never knowing if I could eat something and keep it down, having to keep a bucket at all times next to my bed and in the car, and hating to smell anything or even look in our fridge, let alone all of the other stressors and symptoms of pregnancy, took an emotional toll that I simply did not expect. I knew intellectually that this was leading to something good, the transformation of our family and a new baby in the world. 
but it was harder and much more gross than I ever could have envisioned. And ideally, change for you involves far less vomit, but the feeling is often still there. We head out to our dream school, excited for a new life at college, and then our first chem exam punches us right in the gut. We fight with our roommate, and the challenge of trying to keep up with school, friends, and our laundry slowly wears us down as the semester goes on. Maybe you're stressed, and you're lonely, and you're barely holding it together, and maybe you don't even know if you like what you're studying, but you just don't have the bandwidth to even think about that right now in finals week. Or you start a new job, and you feel like you're just keeping your head above water, trying to appear confident, but inside, you're drowning. There's so much to learn, and you don't feel ready for any of it. Or maybe you're trying to date or even in a relationship, and you're feeling like you're on a cliff edge, trying not to fall off, wanting to be vulnerable, but so afraid of it at the same time. Because putting our whole selves out there for someone else can be nauseating in and of itself, let alone the inevitable need in any relationship to disagree, resolve conflict, or put in boundaries. It might be that we're facing a false narrative that we've been holding on to, working through trauma that we've faced, or even learning to trust God again. And all of this is hard. It will require change. And even if we're excited to get started, the actual discomfort of that change and transformation can leave us needing like we need to puke up our breakfast too. Revelation might sound awesome in theory, but it's a whole different story when we actually start feeling that queasiness of real transformation. And over the last couple of weeks of our Christmas series, we've seen the beginnings of this transformation in the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus. For Mary, the revelation that she would become mysteriously pregnant and give birth to the Son of God, being visited by an angel and receiving such incredible news, surely must have led to a mix of emotions. We see Mary's courageous response in Luke 1.38. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. But what we don't see is just how difficult this pregnancy would have been for Mary. While she and Joseph were visited by angels, it's not clear that everyone else got a divine heads up, so I can only imagine the rumors of infidelity in their community were rampant. Anytime Mary went out, there would have been whispers and accusing looks, maybe even outright scorn and derision from people who knew her. Of course, she also would have dealt with just the challenges of pregnancy itself. Was she suddenly exhausted all the time as her body worked hard to grow a baby and a placenta, which is a whole other organ you also got to make in addition to the baby? Did her gums bleed and her sinuses clog up as hormones caused swelling and inflammation throughout her body? And as her body stretched and grew into an unfamiliar shape, did her back ache and her hips cramp from round ligament pain? Did heartburn, insomnia, and needing to pee constantly keep her up all night? And of course, how often did Mary find herself queasy at the side of her lunch with no raising cane's chicken tenders to replace it? Or puking outside without plumbing and running water to clean the vomit off her face? In between the bright and beautiful moments of feeling her new baby kick and roll, how often did Mary wonder what exactly she had signed up for when that angel came to deliver the news of Jesus? In his book, Honest Advent, Scott Erickson tells us the process of growth is always uneasy because growth never comes through ease. It comes through the stretching and expanding of one's own capacity to push on ahead. And why is this so hard for us? Because this stretching and expanding runs counter to our desire for control and comfort. Megan explored last week how transformation is hard for us because we struggle with control. But we also find transformation incredibly difficult in our culture today because we so highly prize comfort. And not just the I want to be cozy kind of comfort, 
but comfort of a kind that looked at from the outside maybe doesn't actually seem all that comfortable. Making new friends is hard, so I'll stay in the comfortable place that I know, being alone. Asking for help makes me feel queasy, so instead I will let myself burn out before I stretch myself into the uncomfortable place of needing another person. It's the comfortable and known space, whereas change is all about the unknown. And as comfortable as our present is, fear of the unknown keeps us from facing the discomfort of change. Change requires faith, which offers us neither comfort nor control. And even when the known, comfortable place kind of sucks for us, the unease of change feels especially treacherous in a culture that so highly prizes being comfortable and in control of everything in our lives. Revelation heralds transformation, and transformation will mean unease. But why do we even need to experience unease? What does this do for us? And to help answer this, I want us to go back to pregnancy for a moment. In the birthing classes we took in the months leading up to Joe's arrival, one of the most important things I learned about labor was the concept of productive pain. Now, usually, physical pain, like if you sprain your ankle, means stop. There's too much strain, you've injured yourself, or you're about to. But in labor, pain generally means that things are moving along. The way out is through. Like Megan said last week, this is a place where you have to surrender to pain and not fight it so that your body can move through the incredible process of delivering a baby. And this is still true whether you're having an unmedicated vaginal birth, an epidural, or a C-section. The process of moving a baby from your uterus into your arms requires re great effort and pressure on your body. And to try and stop that process would mean blocking the path that gets the baby out into your arms. So the process of transformation is much more like labor than, say, spraining your ankle. The discomfort is pointing us in the direction that God is asking us to walk, to release our own desire for comfort and control. We may desire a life without any sort of pain or discomfort, but a life without unease is a life without growth. Hebrews 12:11 tells us that no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. And an important thing here is that discipline does not equal punishment. Discipline is discipling. It is formation in the way of Jesus over the course of our lives. And often, it's that discipline, the uncomfortable parts of transformation, that we try to mitigate or even avoid entirely. But instead, we can learn to lean into that discomfort and look ahead to the other side, to that peaceful harvest of right living that we're promised. And this can feel so counterintuitive for us in a culture that prizes ease and comfort. Our often unspoken, even unconscious expectation is that everything should just work out without a snag or a bump, and if that's not true, then clearly something is very wrong. My friend said something hurtful to me, so I guess I should avoid them, because that's not what should happen. I made a mistake at work or I received tough feedback, so now I feel ashamed and bitter and maybe I should just look for a new job. My spouse and I keep having conflict. I guess we're just falling out of love. I tried something new and it didn't go as well as I hoped, so I'm never doing that again and maybe I should just stay in my lane next time I wanna try something new. But when we try to simply avoid discomfort like this, to ignore or avoid the feelings of unease, we will miss opportunities to grow. Remember, the process of growth is always uneasy because growth never comes through ease. It comes through the stretching and expanding of one's own capacity to push on ahead. 
And that stretching and expanding is rarely comfortable, but it's necessary for us to grow. I think a helpful example of this that all of us will experience at some point is resolving conflict. It feels deeply uncomfortable to address and resolve conflict, including and especially with the people we care about. We may have built up an internal narrative that if it really is a good relationship, we'll never have conflict. And if we do, it'll be super easy for us to communicate and resolve. But that simply isn't reality. Relationships of all kinds are never about not having conflict because that's impossible between broken humans. And resolving conflict is always going to feel uncomfortable, no matter how many times we do it. Where growth and emotional strengthening happen is not in avoiding conflict and discomfort, but in lovingly facing it so that we are able to walk to the other side with the relationship intact and even strengthened. Steadily learning that we can be real with each other with our flaws and bumps and all and build relationships that last. Because when we lean into the unease of addressing conflict, we stretch and expand relationally, becoming more resilient and able to repair with each other again and again, even if it never feels comfortable in the moment. And one of the challenges in learning to lean into the unease of transformation is that we can struggle to envision exactly what this transformation is going to lead to. When you're doing something like tackling a house project or learning to run a marathon, the end goal is very easy to imagine. A clean closet, you running across the finish line, that we can put in our heads really easily. But growth is not a simple do this and get this paradigm. Scott Erickson puts it this way. The difficulty in letting God grow you is the trust that is asked of you when you aren't quite clear on what the outcome looks like. When you say to the giver of your life, I want my life to be meaningful. I want to serve you with my life. May it be so according to what you desire. You have no idea what secret cosmic strategies have been put into play to answer that request. At the core of leaning into unease is the ability to trust God, to believe that God is good and wants the best for you, even in the midst of pain and discomfort. One way for us to build trust like this is to see how others have gone before us in their unease. And luckily for us, the Bible is full of stories just like this one, of people choosing to trust God in the difficult process of growth. Of course, there's Mary, as we've already seen in the past few weeks, who chooses to respond to God's revelation for her with humility and praise. We've also seen Moses and Esther respond to divine revelation, and both of them had to lean into unease as well. When Moses began the process of advocating on the behalf of his people with Pharaoh, it actually made things a lot worse for his people initially than better. And in Esther's story, she calls a fast, canceling the Passover feast and choosing to lean into the unease so that she can respond to the call God has for her. But one of the most prominent stories of unease in the Bible is the story of Joseph in Genesis, a person from whom we drew inspiration for our son's name. As a young man, Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery in Egypt and pretend to their father that he's been killed. And that kicks off years of unease for Joseph. He first serves faithfully in the house of an Egyptian officer, even being placed in charge of the whole household when a false accusation sends him into prison. Even there, Joseph again rises to a position of trust and leadership, even interpreting critical dreams for two other imprisoned men, and then is still cast aside and forgotten for years. Over and over again, Joseph's life seems like it's getting back on track, 
And then he's stuck again in a place of hurt and discomfort, being betrayed and forgotten by people that he trusted. Yet, in this time, we see Joseph continue to follow God, to choose what is right rather than what is comfortable, and to grow from an arrogant and immature teenager to a wise and generous leader in Egypt. Even when Joseph is in a position to get revenge on his brothers, he could totally flip the tables on them. He chooses to bless them. He brings his whole family into Egypt where they can be saved from the famine that is ravaging the surrounding nations. He tells his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. This transformation did not happen magically overnight for Joseph. It was won by long years of sitting in the unease with no clear sign of it ever ending. But Joseph was expanded as a person through the process of sitting in the unease and so was able to bless many others, including his brothers who had betrayed him through that. And while these stories may encourage us, and I hope that they do, it can still be challenging for us to see the end of these stories while we're still in the messy middle of ours. What will my ending be? When will the queasy discomfort of transformation end for me? And what will my life look like on the other side? Will I ever get to the other side? I loved our baby from the moment we saw that plus sign on the pregnancy test, but being pregnant was super tough. <laughs> At the same time, I was navigating the physical symptoms, nausea, bleeding gums, hip and back pain, exhaustion. I was also trying to wrap my head around being a parent and the constant fears that something might happen to my baby. In the months leading up to finding out we were pregnant and during my pregnancy, multiple good friends of ours uh, suffered miscarriages and stillbirths. And after sitting with them through their grief, I was torn desperately between wanting the nausea to just stop, but also knowing that it was one of the surest signs that my pregnancy was continuing and that my baby was okay. Because sitting in the middle of unease like this, the unease of transformation is so hard, when we are in a season like this, it's natural to ask, God, why are you doing this to me? What's the point of this? I think Erickson puts it beautifully. If you ask a newly pregnant mother, hugging the toilet while racked with morning sickness, why it's worth going through all this hardship, she will wipe away the remnants of last night's dinner with a piece of toilet paper and whisper, for love. It's worth it because I love this child. The answer to our question to God is surprisingly the same. Just like morning sickness, the unease is a strategy of the soul to protect you from doing all the things as usual that could harm this new life being grown in you. It's for love that you have been moved from what is known to what is unknown. It's for love that you have been moved from your comfortable perch so that you can be enlarged by a different perspective. It's for love that you have been broken open so a greater capacity of love, faith, and hope can be built inside you. For love, it's because you are loved. Why does God ask us to step into unease? Because God loves us. God calls us into new life and hope and knows that in order for us to experience ever greater and deeper joy and purpose, we have to grow. God loves us way too much to let us permanently park ourselves in the comfortable places of loneliness, immaturity, or the patterns that hurt ourselves and others. Instead, God expands us in our unease, walking through the discomfort and pain with us to welcome us on the other side. Our God is one who is very familiar with unease. 
God became human in Jesus, lived alongside us, and walked a path of pain and death before his resurrection. God calls us into unease out of love, and God walked in unease himself out of love too. And knowing this, how can we learn to sit in the unease rather than run from it? First, we have to find a space to be silent and still before God, rather than just numbing and distracting ourselves with noise. Our world makes it all too easy to stay comfortable and busy and numb with distractions so that we never have to face ourselves and our pain in the quiet. But we have to find that space in order to actually grow, to actually see what God is speaking to us. Like the productive pain of labor, God will use these discomforts to grow our character and form us into God's image. Philippians 1.6 tells us, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And when you're in that quiet space, push into the unease. In the stillness and silence where your mind can finally focus, explore those negative feelings that we so often want to run from. I feel so anxious about having this conflict conversation. Why do I feel anxious? What exactly am I concerned about? What truth can I tell myself about these feelings? I am so angry at the situation. Why do I feel so angry? What assumptions might I be making and what narratives am I believing? I feel so hopeless. What is the nature of my hurt and my pain? How might I invite others into my difficulty to walk alongside me? What am I discovering about God, myself, and others in the midst of this pain? And as you explore these kinds of emotions and narratives, you can ask yourselves questions like this to center yourself in the unease. What is the conversation I can have only by being in this situation? What parts of my life have I been able to uncover only by finding myself here? And what unexpected place might God want to meet me in during this uneasy time I am experiencing? And as uncomfortable as this process may be, and it will be uncomfortable, God is good to walk with us through that queasy comfort of transformation. Like Mary waited for her baby to arrive, we are waiting for Jesus' full arrival as well. We wait for him to heal us, to change us, to build his kingdom, and to return to us. This will be an uncomfortable process, and yet in that unease, we know that God is always with us, is loving us, is drawing us closer to God's own self while helping form us into just who we were made to be. And after months of waiting for Joe to arrive and wondering what it would be like to finally hold him and not feel nauseous all the time, his due date finally came and went. Uh, Joe did not arrive that day, or the next day, or the day after that, and I spent that last week being deeply uncomfortable, tired, and wondering when our baby would finally decide to show up. A week after his due date, I woke up with clear contractions and a sense that today was the day. And every birthing class and article I'd read up to this point said, especially for first-time moms, labor is much longer than you see in the movies, usually hours and hours of building active labor before you need to go to the hospital. So I thought I had some time. Half an hour later, though, I was throwing up from the pain and telling Tyler that I could not possibly do it. <laughs> I continued to say this as Tyler scrambled through our house, getting stuff in the car to head to TMC. I said it as I groaned through worse and worse contractions in the 10 minutes to the hospital, and I continued saying that I couldn't do it as I dragged myself into triage with our midwife. I could not believe how painful it was, how my whole abdomen was screaming with effort as my body prepared to deliver our baby. 
My lower back felt like it was just gonna collapse in on itself, and every couple of minutes as the contractions reached their peak, I would beg Tyler to try and apply counter pressure or do anything to make it stop. My labor ended up being about five hours altogether, which is relatively short, and the first half went from zero to 60 real fast. At the hospital, I continued to tell our midwife that I couldn't do it, and she simply responded, but you are doing it, which is both surprisingly encouraging and very, very difficult to argue with, <laughs> because I was. By the time we were in the birthing center, I was already in transition at the very peak of the pain, and it wasn't long after that that I was being coached on how to push, and the nurse was telling Tyler how he would, who was going to have to catch our baby. After so much pain and effort and not being sure that I could actually do it, Joseph came just before 11 a.m., and when they put him on my chest, all of the discomfort just ebbed away. Out of all of that struggle, I was suddenly catapulted into joy with my son. And I kept saying, I love you, you're perfect, I love you, you're perfect, over and over again. And in that space of love, all of the unease was more than worth it to see this new life in my arms. And I cannot promise that all transformation will shift into joy so suddenly for you. But I know that God is good to hold us through our unease out of love. Not that we may be comfortable all the time, but that we may be transformed and brought into a sweetness of joy and new life that simply would not be possible under our own power. I want to end this morning with this blessing. May the unease of your stretching and expanding be the promise of divine love growing in you a new life of unforeseen possibility. Please pray with me. God, even when it's hard and we don't want to, we thank you for the unease. We thank you for the discomfort that you put the strategy of the soul into us that we may walk ever closer to you that you are with us in our pain and in our discomfort, just as you were with Mary, just as you were with all of us. Help us to grow, help us to turn to you, even in that difficulty, and be led into ever greater joy and purpose and love with you, God. We thank you for your son's entrance into this world, the knowledge that God is with us, even in the pain and especially in our joy. We love you, Lord, in your son's holy and precious name. Thank you for joining the Damascus Road podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus together by being with God, loving everyone, transforming people, developing leaders, growing new ministries, and changing the world. You can find out more about us online at damascusroadtucson.com.